Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. This evening, the Missouri Alliance for Historic Preservation will release its 2019 Places in Peril list. These are places threatened by deterioration, lack of maintenance, insufficient funding, imminent demolition, and development. By publishing the list, the Alliance hopes to bring attention to their tenuous existence and save them before it's too late. Joining us to give a sneak peek at some of the St. Louis places on this year's list is Bill Hart. He's the Executive Director of Missouri Preservation. Bill, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. So this list, I know it's still um, it's still under wraps. That's a secret. But we do know a little bit about it. We know that it runs a wide gamut from a long shuttered restaurant in North St. Louis to homes in Wildwood and then some places elsewhere in the state as well. Are there any common threads to what we're seeing in peril this year? Um, uh, actually, it's pretty much all over the place. We have a couple of churches. We have a, a couple of WPA sites. One, uh, one that was a municipal site. Uh, one, one that was actually a countywide site. Um, we have a farm on the list. We have a mid- couple of actually several mid-century modern. Uh, we're seeing more mid-century modern nominations. These are places that aren't that old then. That's right. Uh, to be considered eligible for the National Register of Historic Places, in most cases, a uh, property must be f- at least 50 years old. Okay. So all of those places, those ranch houses from the 1950s and 60s are coming of age and are now uh, considered historic. So help us understand. I know a lot of people in St. Louis, we have a great love for our houses from, say, the 1870s. But when it comes to something like a mid-century ranch, something built in the 1950s, why should we care if this thing is knocked down? Well, we care, for, we care about historic places for a number of reasons. Um, it's, uh, uh, old stuff matters because it's Im- important to the community, because it's a, it's a courthouse that, uh, that people have grown up using. It's a church that have, that have been raised in, a theater where you might have gone on your first date or maybe even gotten your first kiss. Um, it's important to history, obviously, for events. Uh, we've had Civil War battlefields on our list of places in peril. We've had, uh, I mean, there are other places like, uh, you know, notwithstanding the George Washington slept here kind of places. The uh, One of our uh, state parks and uh, historic places is the home of or the birthplace and the home of Harry Truman, one of our past presidents. So that's pretty um, important. A, a famous person got absolutely, their somewhere. Absolutely. Uh, old buildings give us a sense of place. They can't be replicated in any other place. You know, they're uh, unique to our own neighborhood, our own hometown. Um, and of course, they're important because we don't want to lose them. They're a vital part of strong communities in Missouri. Um, they Historic places increase tourism universally throughout uh, Missouri and America. Old buildings are environmentally responsible. You don't have to uh, get all new materials. You can renovate an existing building that has um, that 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 saves important and non-renewable resources from being thrown into. A landfill. Or we don't a have to throw away our houses like exactly. we throw away everything exactly. else. Exactly, and we don't have to create new non-renewable, non-renewable uh, building materials uh, to put in to put in our historic buildings, and it makes economic economic sense. And in in most cases, uh, especially if buildings are uh, are recognized as important by the National Park Service by p- being put on the National Register of Historic Places, they're eligible for financial incentives like the historic preservation tax credits that. 
uh, Missouri is in the forefront of and the federal government has been issuing since the 1980s. So what do you see as a bigger threat in the work that you do? Is it a hot real estate market where somebody just wants to move out the old thing? Or is it more abandonment and neglect like we see in many corners of St. Louis? Well, that's a part of it. And everybody... a lot of redevelopment is, we feel, inappropriate, and some of the, at least one of them on the the list of local St. Louis places, we we think is very inappropriate. In some places, whole neighborhoods, and just, I even had one lady call me up and said, can I nominate my town to your places in peril? Because it, you know, a lot, of, a lot of rural, well, a lot of rural places are emptying out for one reason or another, the loss of factory jobs, the loss of uh, family farms, any number of reasons, uh, is seeing uh, population, especially in rural areas, dwindle. Now, you mentioned this idea of an inappropriate development. I'd like to just charge right into this list. And I know the overall list, you're not releasing that yet, but you are willing to talk about some of the St. Louis places on it. What is an example of something that is being threatened by inappropriate development? Well, uh, in one in one case, we had a nomination for a place in Kansas City that was actually, it was an old farm. Uh, and several of the barns, barns still existed on this old farm. Well, it was, they were surrounded by tract homes that have sprung up because the land of the, the, from the farm had been subdivided. So that we consider inappropriate. Uh, if uh, new construction threatens existing historic resources, we would consider that inappropriate uh, development. You would like to see um, people building where there isn't something already. Or incorporate the historic resource into your new construction. Okay. Well, so let's talk about some of the things on the list. Um, I understand that there is a Rala place on the list this year. We do have a lot of listeners in Rala, and I'd love to talk about the Holloway House. There is the Holloway House in Rala. It was a part uh, once of a 250-acre cattle farm. It was built circa 1900. Um, It uh, is on a tract of land that part of it was subdivided back in the 60s and has some of Rolla's really finest mid-century homes on it. The rest of the acreage, the city wants to demolish the house for to build a senior center. Mm. Um, and while we don't while we don't disagree that we need services for seniors, there's you know this is a small town and there are lots of other available property uh, in order to build this. And and actually, um, the Rolla Preservation Alliance. Uh, uh, did a public poll of the residents in the city, and it was revealed that 70% of the respondents were in favor of saving the building and, and constructing the senior housing so center elsewhere. Why? So, any idea of why this caught well, Rolla's eye, that they want this well, particular Well, there's plan. just co- obviously a disconnect between the planning community and the preservation community here. Yeah. And um, But 70%, that's a pretty good 70% poll number. 70% of those, I think there were 471 people who were polled uh, uh, a agreed that the, that the building should be saved. And this is in a town where it used to be on Route 66, and a lot of those resources have gone by the wayside. And frankly, a lot of Rolla's uh, downtown has suffered because the university's campus uh, has really encroached upon the downtown. Okay. So different things can put a place in peril. Um, can you talk to us at all about the Second Baptist Church this, here in the city of St. Oh, Louis? Oh, yes. The Second Baptist Church is a an architectural treasure. Uh, it was built in uh, 1907, uh, designed by the local firm of Moran, Russell, and Garden. It's a part of a National Register Historic District called Holy Corners, if you're familiar with St. Louis. Uh, that Holy Corners consists of about five corners in the Central West End near uh, McPherson and King's High. 
highway uh, consisting of an old uh, Jewish synagogue, uh, a, a Methodist church, um, a Masonic temple, a Church of Christ scientist, and of course the the Second Baptist Church. Here so all these different Arizona. faiths right there. And they're all right on these corners, and they're all really hugely significant and sub- substantial buildings. This building, unfortunately, suffering from demolition by neglect. It's owned by a developer who hasn't really seen too maintenance of the building very much. So uh, our listing is uh, is not only to recognize that it's imperiled, but to also encourage the owner to do ongoing maintenance uh, and protect the building and perhaps maybe market it to somebody who might be interested in doing Because that's kind of a hot area right there. there. It's an awesome neighborhood, yes. So you mentioned that it's already in this um, district that nationally registered. Doesn't that give some protections where this developer has to maintain some standards? That's a very very, uh, often asked question, as a matter of fact, uh, because a lot of people think that because something is recognized as nationally uh, significant, that that the National Register of Historic Places recognizes is it uh, it's the actual uh, it's the list of the federal government's historic properties that they deem worthy of preservation so in and of itself it's basically a list okay uh, nobody comes and tells you what to do with your property unless of course you're using a federal government program or federal dollars so basically listing on the National Register only protects you from the government but 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 uh, and but there are local laws uh, that do uh, have a lot more teeth and people uh, people think like I said that the national laws per- kind of supersede these local laws but indeed the local preservation laws ordinances that recognize historic buildings and pr- protect historic buildings are actually a lot tougher uh, because they're uh, they're they're enacted by people like us. We write we write the laws or have our aldermen write the laws that protect these local places. So so the developer uh, maybe couldn't just knock this down, but he can let well, he it. Could sort certainly of, knock he it could. down if he wanted, okay. and, and he's sort of, he's in sort some of people's that. opinion, doing that by letting it sit there and and kind of deteriorate on its own. Okay, so you're hoping to bring some attention to that situation. Um, going to a suburb of St. Louis, the Shanley Building. The Shanley building it was it, this has been recognized uh, by uh, with national architectural awards it was designed by a uh, local darling architect uh, Harris Armstrong in 1935 it is uh, it is st. Louis's earliest international style building perhaps the earliest international style building in the Midwest Wow so this is really significant how does it end up in peril well uh, it, the property was owned uh, obviously is in the middle of downtown Clayton, and where, that's there, are hot, lot, hot, hot right where now. there are lots of development pressures. Um, the owner uh, at, at first planned a residential and a hotel tower to, on the site. From from what I've heard recently, um, one, only one of the towers is to be built. And we feel like this would be a really, you know, the, keeping the Shanley House as maybe the entrance to a hotel or an apartment building uh, would be a great way to recognize and appreciate the historic uh, nature of the neighborhood. So we while, can kind of have our cake and eat it, too. Absolutely. absolutely. We don't and have we to so. stop the hotel to save this this building. Indeed. Uh, what about the Dehodiamont House? The Dehodiamont House uh, was is possibly St. Louis's 
oldest residential building. Wow. Yes. For St. Louis, that's, that's got to be pretty old. Uh, exactly. Old exactly. It was, uh, from what we can tell, it was probably, it was there by, uh, by 1830. It was probably built in about 1828. It was built by Baron Emmanuel de Odiamont. Uh, it was uh, originally a kind of uh, stone vernacular building that was enlarged and modified in the 1870s. Uh, so it, uh, its appearance today is of Gothic revival style, which still in and of itself is a rare uh, example here in the city of St. Louis. And why is it in peril? It is in peril because of where it is. It's in a neighborhood that probably is not up to par with a lot of other St. Louis neighborhoods market market value wise. This is in North St. Louis City? It's in, it's in the West End. It's actually okay. in the Northwest End. It's not an impossible candidate for renovation and we're hoping that by listing it here that we can lure a possible buyer or uh, a customer to the developer who who owns the building in order to have it uh, restored. And when and you say we're looking it. for a possible buyer, uh, this historically significant house, are we talking millions of dollars? Any sense of? Probably, probably not a million dollars. Okay, no. so this it's is a pretty feasible. small house. It's a pretty small and reasonable sized house. So Back in uh, the 1820s, they yes. kept it little. It's waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move right along to our next thing. Um, the Sarah Lou Cafe, I know this has been on your list oh, in the past. It, it is. This is the second year that it's been on. It is this is a wonderful resource. Uh, it still and has, what a history. It still has the sign out in front from when it was a restaurant that says Sarah Lou Cafe Chicken and Frogs. It's uh, so classic. It, it's, um, it's at um, Sarah and St. Louis Avenues, hence its name, Sarah Lou. And that's it again in the, North St. Louis City. It's in North St. Louis City. It's the only building on the four corners of commercial buildings, though, that is substandard. All the rest of the buildings, all the other three corners are stable. So it could it could once again have could be a, a really solidifying uh, kind of resource in the neighborhood. Um, North Northside Community Housing has an option with the LRA to buy to purchase the building. So the LRA is the city's land reutilization it, yes, authority, which owns probably the most vacant real estate in the in the city of St. Louis. Fifteen thousand buildings, maybe. So here um, we've got a nonprofit group that is is making some moves towards uh, trying to purchase this. Yes, they want. And, and Why should we be afraid then? It sounds like here's the happy ending. Well, the money. Yeah. Uh, so I was afraid we're you'd trying say that. to <laughs> we're trying to uh, to provide more visibility for this historic place so that so that Northside Community Housing can get the traction that it needs in order to raise some funds to renovate this to use it for perhaps a business on the first floor and affordable housing on the rest of the building. And the Sarah Lou Cafe had an amazing history. If you can believe what you read online, at least, it seems like a lot of celebrities um, had a meal at this place. A very long history. And uh, as a matter of fact, one of the people at Northside uh, actually grew up in the neighborhood and remembers going in there and told us exactly where everything was positioned and the tables were and where you would get your carry out. It's just a really... Uh, Again, it's one of those places that matters because it's important to him. You know, it's important to him and his neighbors. And that one, it feels like it's important to a lot of people in that neighborhood. Absolutely. It, it could be a solidifying source and a stabilizing force in the neighborhood. Now, one of the most interesting um, um, inclusions on this list, tell us about Westland Acres. Westland Acres is, I think, returning for its third year on our list of places in peril. 
Uh, it's a residential subdivision, uh, approximately 130 acres on the uh, border of the villages of Chesterfield and Wildwood in St. Louis County. So this is, again, a really hot housing area. It is the land of McMansions. Uh, it is uh, obviously in suburban West, West County. It contains a handful of two and three bedroom, very modest wood frame homes tucked into the woods along Church Road. Um, it's anchored on the west end of the subdivision by uh, the Union Baptist Church, which was uh, reconstructed actually in 1984 after the old one burned. Um, there's a cemetery there which contains uh, the graves uh, of people dating from possibly the 1870s. Wow. The Westland was established in 1881 when William West, who was a freedman from the Daniel Boone settlement across the river, bought some uh, land from... Uh, uh, from Mr. Long, and he and his wife Polly, uh, uh, as I said, recently freed slaves, purchased the 150 uh, acres from Norris Long. That's a terrific backstory right there. A absolutely. So it's a really significant uh, uh, historic African-American neighborhood. Uh, the, the community has now dwindled to uh, under 10 families, and though, and though Westland does retain its historic ties with the descendants of William West, uh, a lot of the people who live in Westland Acres are kind of being priced out of their neighborhood, out of their own neighborhood. And they own these houses. Is this just they taxes or two? Their high? families own them. Yes. Property uh, taxes. One of the people there told us that she had to refinance her house twice in order to pay her real estate tax bill. Oh, what a nightmare situation. So we're hoping that we can get uh, we can get somebody in the county council to, to listen to us to perhaps provide some sort of ta uh, freezing of the tax rate for these people until such time as they may want to build their own McMansion on their own property or sell the property to and somebody who wants to. And then they can sell by choice. And then, then, yeah, absolutely. That way it's their choice to move from the neighborhood and it's not their, uh, it's not a demand uh, because of their finances. We're talking today with Bill Hart. He's the executive director of Missouri Preservation, and he's giving us a sneak peek at some of the 2019 places in peril. Bill, there's another place on this list that's just a little bit west of St. Louis. It's called the Emmaus uh, Houses. The, the Emmaus Homes. The Emmaus Homes started as a, a campus in 1859 with the completion of uh, about five uh, five uh, campus buildings for the German Evangelical uh, church uh, of the Midwest. Uh, w uh, the, this, the German Evangelical Church eventually became the United Church of Christ, oh. uh, and the seminary actually became Eden Seminary and moved to St. Louis in the 1890s. Uh, so when it was vacated by the seminary in 1893, uh, it was established as um, uh, the evangelical home for the epileptic and feeble-minded. So for many years, it served as a group home and institution for developmentally disabled people. Uh, as we all know, uh, there's been a paradigm shift in how we deal with, uh, with our friends and our family who are developmentally disabled. We're no longer uh, institutionalizing them. We're not them. institutionalizing them, and the last uh, resident of the Emmaus Homes moved last year. So the, the, leaving the, uh, the campus, which, in, which includes several modern buildings now, lodge-type buildings, uh, a chapel from 1928, and several other buildings, leaving them all vacant. Oh, wow. Um, the, they have been determined eligible for the National Register of Historic Places, the campus has, so that so they would be eligible for the tax credits to a would-be developer. So we're hoping to find one that's preservation friendly in the, because uh, there's some really significant uh, uh, 
German vernacular and German Baroque style architecture here on the campus, and it's in Warren, it's in Marthasville in Warren County. How long of a west. drive is that from St. Louis City? It's about probably about forty minutes okay. from St. Louis, not very far. So for a, a developer who's into preservation, this could be a really nice place. It could be a wonderful uh, country club uh, resort. Uh, it could be a uh, has lots of acreage that goes along with it. Some of it, some of it which is very nicely landscaped. So it could be a it could, it could include a golf course. Um, I think it could be a great place. And, you know, Missouri's viticulture is, b is blossoming once again, and uh, it could be a great place for a winery or a uh, distillery or any Ooh, of those distillery. kinds of places. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, we've got one more St. Louis place on the list, but this is more than just one place. This is a, a giant collection. Oh, my um, goodness. Tell us about the homes that are owned by the Land Reutilor Reutilization Authority of St. Louis, which is called the LRA. Yes, the LRA owns uh, at uh, at least uh, 12,000 parcels, 11 to 12,000 par parcels uh, of vacant property in the uh, St. Louis area. It was set up during the mass exodus during the 1960s of population from the city when uh, there was a, an alarming number of buildings being vacated and they were actually dumped on the city for and taken by the city for back taxes. Um, the city, with its dwindling population, hasn't been able to really afford to own these buildings. So the and they're not maintaining them. The, uh, 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 they're they're trying to. Okay. We'll put it that way. There's not a huge budget for that, and there's never been a budget for marketing these buildings. Um, the uh, m most of the most of the buildings that we are highlighting were probably built between 1870 and 1950, and they're on St. Louis's north side, which uh, is is uh, the oldest part of St. Louis. It's also uh, uh, it was also one of the most affluent neighborhoods in St. Louis in the day, and uh, has some very significant uh, architecture. Um, there, as I said, there are lots of uh, there are lots of foreclosures there that leaving the city uh, owning properties, um, and the uh, city in, of St. Louis uh, announced a plan uh, to spend uh, thirteen point six million dollars a year over twenty years uh, to demolish thousands, potentially thousands, of historic buildings on the north side of St. Louis. So these buildings really are in peril. The city they, actually has some money to, or a they, plan to try to use money to do this. Yes. Well, the, at the same time, the Metropolitan Sewer District has a mandate to manage storm water runoff. Um, traditionally, and in my own house, I live in a historic district in the city of St. Louis, and um, uh, my, my storm water from my roof goes right down into the sewer. So all of this clean water that could potentially be trapped uh, and and sent right back to the river and the and the runoff is going into our sewer where uh, sewer lines where it has to be processed. So uh, the MSD uh, provided funding to help demolish these buildings uh, so that to, so as to create a natural runoff. And of course, it sounds like the best thing since sliced bread to the city because. It gets rid of this big problem for them over 20 years, uh, uh, taking care of a lot of substandard buildings. Along the same lines, in July, the city launched a new initiative called the St. Louis Blight Authority, um, created by Twitter founder Jack Dorsey and Detroit investor Bill Pulte. It's begun demolishing um, vacant buildings in the Wells Goodfellow neighborhood. The mayor thinks this is a Sounding great thing. Sounding like a good thing. Yeah. You know, what do you say really, to that? I think it's frightening. And, and, uh, and uh 
so far, Missouri Preservation is the uh, one of the only organizations besides private citizens that have really outed these people for for their potential demolition of these thousands of potentially historic buildings. The editorial board of the Post Dispatch seems to be uh, ardently behind all of this demolition. It's like a it's like a party. It's like a demolition party. And no matter how many times the, somebody writes an editorial or somebody tweets about how wonderful it is that we're getting rid of the blight in St. Louis, we're getting rid of a very important not only historical resource but economic resource. Once a building, I mean, it's going to first of all, it's going to cost to tear these buildings down, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's that's money that might go in to preserving these buildings, to stabilizing some of them. Um, and instead, we'll, we'll end up with empty lots. And if you live in the city of St. Louis and you own property, you know that your house or your condo is assessed for real estate taxes every year. It's called improvements on your property. Improved property yields more potential for income, for tax income, than unimproved property. An empty lot is worth very little uh, and will yield very little in property taxes over the years to St. Louis citizens. So we have time for just one more question today. Um, but as we're looking at this year's list, it just feels almost overwhelming, all these places <laughs> that are in peril. What are some specific steps we can take here to make sure that we don't lose all these places forever? Well, uh, Pass local laws that that protect historic buildings. Uh, make buildings eligible for in financial incentives by uh, trying to get them nominated to the National Register of Historic Places. Um, urge your officials to uh, to step up um, efforts to to preserve rather than uh, obliterate historic resources, and you know fight the good fight out there. Bill Hart, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak about endangered historic places in Missouri, the places that are really important to all of Missouri citizens. Thank you. Bill is the executive director of Missouri Preservation, and you can read more about the 2019 places in peril as of tonight at preservemo.org. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Mm -hmm.